0: during these times is admirable. but you only get one take of this life. If only they would just die.
1: Pardon Nothing Rita! I want to be special dancing up on the screen like the pretty girls in the pictures. I will not let you leave this farm again.
2: I'm worried there may be something real wrong with me. Rumor has it they only take one gal per town.
0: We're looking for someone with X Factor. It has to be me. How about a film nobody else has seen?
2: It's illegal. Will be eventually.
1: I know what I've done. Bad things. Terrible, awful, murderous things. I want to be loved from as many people as possible. But truth is, I'm not really a good person.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike joining me as always. It's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you?
1: Greetings and salutations, natural-born psychopaths. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Mike. I'm actually in a pretty good mood. Just uh, finished a Disneyland trip, potentially my last Disneyland trip ever as I'm now an old man with no kids and uh the wear and tear that your body goes through spending a day at the theme parks almost not worth it anymore so yeah But it was still a great trip, you know, very nostalgic, got to ride everything I wanted to ride, got to eat everything I wanted to eat. And I spent excessive amounts of money on crap I don't need. So it's a successful day at Disney in my (laughs) life.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a theme park visit to me. (laughs) All right. Also with us, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? How are you?
2: Doing good. Always great to be here.
0: All right. So we are covering Pearl. Uh, which just hit the theaters last week, and um, I'm assuming everyone knows it's a prequel to Ty West X. It was kind of announced, I think, right when X got released. Uh, It was was a surprise announcement, but it had pretty much already been filmed. It was in post-production, and uh, this was the release date for it. So, off the IMDb page, it's, it's short and sweet. Backstory on how Pearl became the person she was. So there we go. <laughs> um, we will start with general thoughts on Pearl. We will start with Venom, as we always do. So, Venom, what did you think of Pearl? All
1: right. I'm going to start with what I think the film did really well, and that's in its filmmaking, its presentation. This, this film is absolutely gorgeous. The use of color, and I mean very vibrant and bright color, is apparent throughout um, Ty West definitely makes this a more idyllic uh, setting than the 1970s that we had for X. You know, obviously we have a, a very young Pearl living with her parents, you know, running this ranch that they live on. Um, I thought the score was great. I thought the performances especially like I, re- I did like Mia Goth in this film a lot. I know a lot of people are talking Oscar nomination, which, you know, for me. The greatest female performance in a horror film will will always be Toni Collette, and the fact that she never got an Oscar nomination just really crosses my eyes when I hear people say that Maya Goth deserves one for this movie. Not to take anything away from the performance, it's very frantic, very, you know, she she changes, she she performs her mood swings quite well. Let's say that. Where this movie fails for me is in its storytelling. I thought this was one of the most basic psychopath backstories I've ever seen in my fucking life. Like, there is nothing special to Pearl whatsoever. Ty West gave us this great movie in X with this mysterious old woman who was equal parts obsessed with sex and murder. And so I'm expecting Pearl. And and again, this is just my expectations that failed me. But again, I love Ty West. I've always been a big fan of his films, and this one just fell really, really flat for me. I I was really hoping that we were going to get some kind of grand backstory that would... I don't want to say humanize Pearl necessarily, but some kind of explanation into just all of the crazy stuff that she does in the first movie. And I feel like I did not get that. What I got with Pearl was the most basic bitch psychopath story ever. I mean, this girl was crazy... From the fucking start, from the very first scene in the movie, she's just a crazy chick. There's no catalyst event that pushes her over the edge. Hell, I'm not even convinced that she hasn't killed any people when this movie starts. I mean, she's already got crazy in the eyes. There's already, you know, something loco going on behind those eyes right when the movie starts. I mean, in the very first scene we see her in, she kills a goose for for no reason other than it walked into her barn. So, I mean, that's really all you need to know. Um, I I really was hoping to see some kind of I I don't want to say redemption story, but maybe humanize Pearl a little bit and then have some like I said, some major event, be it be an assault of some kind, be it physical or sexual. Um, I don't know. It it just I I felt like this was so basic in its storytelling. Now, in it's film presentation, it's 100 percent not basic. Like I said, it's a beautiful film. It's got Ty West signature all over this film. But like I said, my biggest weakness with this movie is the story. I found this story to be just plain Jane as all hell. It had no flair to it. All of the flair in this movie is in its filmmaking and its, in its acting performances. But, it, but in its storytelling, to me, it just absolutely failed. And the only thing, and I hate to say it because, you know, I, I don't know Maya Goff at all, but I do see that she has a writing credit on this movie and it, Considering the story is about the only problem that I have with this film, you know, I I I can't really put it all on Ty West because, you know, usually he writes and directs all his films. So you can put all the blame on him, whether you love it or you hate it with this one, since he kind of collaborates with Maya for uh, the script or the screenplay. I don't know. I, I just found it to be incredibly basic. I was very unhappy with the story. And if anything, it made me like X even less. And I I like X a lot. I mean, it's it's probably in my top 10 just because it, it's been kind of a weak year. But um, X was, you know, I did enjoy X a lot. It wasn't a perfect film for me, but I, I, I did praise a lot of it when we reviewed it on Fresh Cuts. But This one, like I said, it just I walked out of the theater thinking, why did I even watch this? I mean, literally the backstory in my head that I made up for Pearl is 10 times better than what we got on screen. Granted, I wouldn't be able to do the beautiful presentation that Ty West gave us. But, um, yeah, this story just really fell flat for me. So the long and the short of it is it's a beautiful film. It's a solid prequel to X. I'm not calling it a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. But I hated this story because it was just so goddamn basic. And Pearl, in my opinion, deserves more than a basic backstory. So that's it for my general thoughts.
0: Okay. What about you, Don? What did you think of Pearl?
2: Um, Well, I don't have much else uh, uh, different to add. Um, I I will echo two points. Um, I, I will echo the filmmaking. This thing does look absolutely amazing. I i i'm kind of not wanting to focus on the second one just because i think that one could be kind of a spoiler but yeah i i too was a little bit led down by this one um it, to me there are two factors with it that kind of hold it back one i fully admit is a personal preference uh the other one is kind of uh the film's own fault uh, the personal preference one, um, if, for those that don't remember from our ex-conversation, is this is a prequel. And I absolutely cannot stand the, the concept of prequels and cinematic franchises or trilogies or what have you. I, I, I find the concept utterly infuriating and just, you know, it just makes absolutely no sense for me to start a franchise at the very beginning of a story, get to the end and then say, "Oh, well there's more to be to the beginning." Well, why don't you just show us the very beginning and call that the first part of the film and then release, you know, part 1 as part 2? To me it just it just makes no sense. If this was released before X, I probably would be interested in X. But, yeah, I'm with Venom here. I'm I'm just not crazy on what happens to Pearl here. Just because, you know, yeah, she's just a regular garden variety psychopath, and that's not really interesting. I don't find anything that she does here really adds more to what her name is, you know, who she is as a character. And everything just feels kind of by the numbers. It just feels like, you know... I, I hate to say this, it just feels like the love. It just feels like you know the fate of every you know blue collar actress that left for Hollywood and got fucked over by the system. Like nothing here is really original. Nothing here is really done all that cleverly or adds anything special to her to you know make her stand out from the. Thousands, if not millions of other women that had this kind of career who just never turned out to be a psychopath, and to me that doesn't really make her unique or special or intriguing. it just makes her weird and that doesn't really interest me all that much and then the second thing is kind of self inflicted if it just feels too it just feels way too much like a two four It's high art, no real substance to it. It's just everybody gets blinded by the fact that it's technically well-made. I'm just not an A24 guy. They just don't do it for me. Yeah, it looks good, but I don't really care. Uh, To me, high-end technical qualities don't make a film interesting, and that's exactly what goes on here. Like Venom said, it looks beautiful, but once you get beyond that, there's just not a lot here going on. So yeah, um, I'm kind of in the same league with Venom on this one.
0: Okay. Um, let me start off by saying you're crazy about a- A24, a but <laughs> for this movie, you're not crazy. Because <laughs> uh, I will echo, it's a beautiful looking movie. Uh, I like the score. I thought Mia Goth in you know, with the material she had, whether you know, regardless of how big her role was in the writing or not, I thought she she performed well.
2: Uh, I can uh, look up what what she did because I'm pretty sure that they would announce what her role is. Yeah, I, I can um, look it up while you. I can look it up while you give your thoughts, and then I'll chime in at the end.
0: Okay, um so I, I get when I was leaving the theater. My my initial thought was like, did I forget some of the movie already, or is it pretty tame compared to like X? Like, yes, there were kills in it, but I didn't like the way the, the way Pearl was set up. You, like, I felt like just what we got from like the old lady version of Pearl was uh, cr- crazy enough to where I was just expecting a lot more to happen in this movie. Yes, there's. some – Pearl as a character, she's definitely like disturbing and kind of twisted. But I was just expecting a little more to happen. Now maybe they were dialing it back because oh, this is supposed to be what in like the early 1900s, I guess not early like
1: 1918,
0: eighteen, yeah, yeah. So maybe just for that fact, they were like, oh, we have to dial it back. But man, I I, I kind of agree. The story felt basic it did i i didn't really get a idea of what really turned her this way because in in x it i don't know the way they set up her character in x made it seem like she had some type of like career but then like it it had uh, taken
1: away or something it got
0: taken away or she just aged out and you know she had a trouble she had trouble with aging out of the industry and she was bitter and jaded about it. And she was going to take out that that's the, you know, those psychotic feelings on like the next crop of like young, pretty girls. But I don't know. And maybe, maybe this is the problem with the fact that they wrote this pretty much when, you know, cause it was already set to go when, yeah. um, are not a hundred percent completed, but I think it was at least filmed by the time X released. And maybe that's part of the problem is like they just rushed out this prequel and didn't like really comb over the story to, to like add a little bit of like uh, flair to it, man. Because I agree, it, w- it was just it was just ba- very basic story, and it, it sucks because like everyone in it, like I I can't point to any performances that were bad. Oh, but cinematography was great. I loved looking at it. I loved listening to it, and like the little bits of. You know, kills and stuff we did get, I liked. I mean, I liked that whole dinner table scene, like, pretty much at the end. I thought that was d- as disturbing as I would want. But, like, everything leading up to that, I was just like, huh, like, th- this is really, like, all there's going to be to this. Um, I-, I was a little surprised. And I- I'm glad that, well, I can't say I'm glad that you guys feel the same way, but at least it validates my feelings a little bit because – at first i thought maybe it's just me because this movie has been getting a lot of praise and especially the things people have been saying i'm like really did we see the same movie because i just thought it was pretty tame coming off x And and it's just yeah it's just because i felt x set up pearl as a certain character that oh cool we're gonna get this origin where she's a crazy psycho doing this and that but i don't know it just felt very dialed back um now, it is part of, you know, it's part of a trilogy. So we'll see if like the third one, because it's fat, you know, fast forwards to, I think, the 80s. Maybe they're going to dial it way up for that. And that's how they're, you know, figuring out how they're going to do each movie. But I don't know. It's not a bad movie by any means. It, it's it's technically sound. It's, it's well made. I just wish the story itself was better and that there was more for the character to do in it. So I'll leave it at that for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of some, some of the good things I can say about the movie is I did like how they tied certain aspects of it together. Like, you know, um, the Pearl's line in the first movie on the pier when she says, I hate blondes, you know, that that came out of nowhere in X. But then we get an explanation of why she hates blondes in this one. So I kind of like and, and, I, and I, I did watch X before going to see Pearl. And I recommend anyone who hasn't seen Pearl yet. If you're gonna go see it, rewatch X because there's just a lot of cool little lines that tie it together and everything. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I, I just I, I'm so disappointed with this story. This the first Ty West movie that I legit may never watch again. Like it's it it is entertaining in the sense that it's a beautiful presentation. You know, I love the opening credits the way it kind of looked like old Hollywood with the big bubble writing I, you know the big bright colors. Like I, I loved all that. I love the dance sequence during her audition. I thought that was mildly entertaining for what it was because, you know, basically this girl who's never danced before other than in her barn by herself, but actually pulls off a somewhat, a mildly choreographed number that I thought was actually pretty cool. I feel,
0: I feel, I feel like they could, uh, when you watch X, I feel like we get enough crumbs about her origin story that if they, when she's kind of like talking to one of the girls you could almost throw in the dance scene and her kind of getting screwed over as a flashback in the movie x and that's yep. like all you would need for like okay considering well. what we got in this movie you almost don't need the movie just give us that flashback of the dance scene and her getting turned down even though she did a bang up fucking job probably the i think they're alluding to she actually was like the best performer but quote unquote that's not what we're looking for because yeah, well, Just throw that as a well, flashback. We don't even need Pearl.
2: Well, here's exactly. the thing, and this is the one thing that I was going to say because it's not really much of a spoiler. Well, how would it, the movie compare watching Pearl back-to-back with watching Pearl first and then X rather than the way we've been doing it where we've seen X first and then we follow that up with X? Applies- follow If you saw Pearl first, X feels even less redundant because it just feels like you're reinforcing these facets that we've already learned.
1: Yeah. Honestly, if I would have seen Pearl first, I might not even watch X. Pearl was so basic that it's like, what's the incentive to watch a sequel, you know, 60 years after the first movie, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I just feel like – and I I remember me being not the highest on X, but still really, really liking it, liking the presentation. The fact that the movie genuinely felt like it was shot in the 70s. Like I I said, I rewatched it before I went to see Pearl, and it legitimately has a beautiful aesthetic to it, whereas this movie – Does not remotely look like it took place in 19 or doesn't look like it was shot in 19. And obviously it would be a silent movie if it was shot in 1918. I understand that. But it's just it's so bright and so pretty, so idyllic looking that it's just it's almost like a fever dream, which I thought that's what kind of they were going to go for. Like, when okay. it's all bright and colorful in the start of the movie, I thought that they were, that that was going to devolve into like a delusion that Pearl was having. And then they were going to show us her real home life where it's not all colorful. It's all dark and dreary. But no, she, she had a pretty damn good life. Like, her mother wasn't abusive, in my opinion. She just wanted her daughter to do the things that she needed to do to help the farm. She's an only child. Her father is an invalid. It's just the mom and Pearl. Because of the outbreak of the Spanish flu in 1918, they don't have any farm hands. It's like mom did nothing to deserve any of the treatment that she got from Pearl. So this is why I say Pearl was just born insane. She is a natural-born psychopath. She was already a psychopath as a child, and all we're seeing is the evolution of that psychopathy. We're not seeing a psychopath being created. We're seeing the evolution of the psychopath, which is kind of okay, but I wanted a prequel. I wanted a legitimate origin story. If this is the only origin story that Pearl has, then it brings down X, in my opinion, and that's unfortunate.
2: Okay, uh, well, here's the thing I was mentioning earlier. Um, So, <laughs> about the writing thing. I'm reading from Wikipedia here, so the usual Wikipedia rules apply. <laughs> but, uh, quote, Ty West began writing a script for the prequel film during production on X. The filmmaker stated that the prequel project had developed from a story he had collaborated on with Mia, and that he had seen it either as becoming a potential film, or simply serving as a backstory for Goth's role as Pearl in the first film. The filmmaker... Uh, he stated that he had pitched his idea to a new franchise to a and had been surprised when they greenlit his projects. The filmmaker stated that he intends each film to have, a, have its own distinct style and genre of horror. Describing his approach to each movie... X was heavily influenced by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the works of Mario Bava, which explore how the rise of independent filmmaking affected society. While Pearl will be a melodrama meets the Technicolor style of Mary Poppins and The Wizard of Oz, made as a demented Disney movie and based on the works of Douglas Sirk.
1: Hmm. I did see kind of allusions to the, uh, The Wizard of Oz throughout the movie, obviously. When Pearl's riding her bike with that top hat on, she looks exactly like the Wicked Witch before she transforms in the original film. Um, there's a scarecrow in the movie that she gets very friendly with. So yeah. like, <laughs> I, there are elements to that. I, I see the allusion to uh, Wizard of Oz, and and I do appreciate it. And, and it makes sense that the color in this movie is so bright and vibrant, if that's the aesthetic they're going for, because Wizard of Oz is one of the most colorful movies ever made. But... God damn, do I hate the storytelling in this movie! I'll get yeah, Wizard of Oz* over this movie any goddamn day of the week.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not seeing anything else here on the story. So yeah, Mike, that just seems like the only real thing here is that it just looks like God. It was. It looks like it's probably just you know Mia said something and then Ty just went with it. And because Mia said because Mia said something about it, West just said, "Okay, well I'll just throw your name on it for credit sake or something." Because I'm not seeing much else here because I'm not interested in reading the rest of this huge ass paragraph because I just took a bit uh, the most pertinent parts here. Yeah.
1: yeah. The the mere fact that she has credit makes me feel like she did have a little bit more to do with the screenwriting, because if it was just an idea, then she would just get it based on credit, you know, based on an idea from Mia Goth, something like that. But I mean, she's mm, she's actually here as a co-writer.
0: Either that or she just advised on her character during the process, so he threw her a bone and gave her a writing credit. And I mean, sure I
1: guess, kind of but that could I, be.
2: If
0: that's that's, just, case, like, I, that's had... just like
1: producer credits.
0: You know, people well, give her producer a producer credit, credit for investing. That's fine.
1: You've got to realize you're giving her a writing credit, and if this is going to be the only Ty West movie where I hate the storytelling, guess who I'm going to blame? Why would I blame Ty West when this is one of the first movies that he's co-written with someone? And and I understand that maybe Mia didn't necessarily co-write this, but she has a writing credit, which means it's more than just an idea. I'm not sure how much of the screenplay she actually wrote, obviously, but I just feel like this is her. This was her story. I feel like Ty West's uh, prequel to, uh, of Pearl would have just been so much more interesting, maybe even more a little more psychological, whereas this movie is not psychological at all. This movie is a character study of a person who's just crazy right from the start. So I just I just don't find that as appealing. You know, there's not a very high body count in this movie, uh, less than five, if I remember correctly. It's only one of them is really like a, something I would call, quote unquote, gory. There is no scares in this film whatsoever, in my opinion. I, I don't even remember a jump scare in this movie. There might have been one, but I don't even remember it. Uh, at no point are you scared, are you tense, are you much of anything? Because ultimately, you know, one or two of the characters that Pearl dispatches, we don't really spend a lot of time with. So it's not like you have any kind of emotional attachment to either one of them. And, and honestly, we don't really spend much time with any of Pearl's victims, honestly. But yeah, it's just, it's, it, if you're not going to take the time to build empathy for the characters in the movie, why should I, as a viewer, care what Pearl is doing, who she's killing? You know what I mean? Like, like I just uh, I'm just so incredibly disappointed with this movie. It's for a movie that's as pretty as it is, potentially one of the best made films of the year. Like if we were if we were doing a top 10 of best made films of 2022, I would imagine this would be on there. But it would also be in my top 10 of most basic stories of 2022 <laughs> cuz like I said the, the only flair in this movie is in its uh filmmaking. There is no flair to the storytelling whatsoever and that's upsetting
0: considering well, and I, this is yeah. one of my
1: favorite directors
0: and i feel like by the end of this i have more questions about how we get from this version of pearl to the old lady pearl just because it it seems like the where this pearl leaves off it doesn't set us up for the pearl we get as the old lady because it, oh,
2: it really- i don't know and, well, there's still 60 years, so it's not <laughs> like you know, it's it just automatically drops. I would imagine that's where Maxine may come in.
0: Well, uh, the that's the thing is, it's like, and I I've only seen X the one time I saw it in the theater, so I could just be misremembering some dialogue or what the old old lady version of Pearl was like alluding to, but um, it it seemed like the the old lady Pearl was alluding that alluding to that she did get off the farm at one point and had some type of career and then aged out, like I said earlier. But that it, could have been uh,
1: intentional though. That could have been her lying to uh Maxine and X to kinda of maybe maybe to get her hope. Could be something. or maybe she a forget, senile old lady at that. Well, Pearl, farm. don't forget Pearl knew what they were filming in that barn and Pearl. From seeing this film, we see that she actually is exposed to pornography in this movie. So, yeah. th- th- again, that kind of ties into her how she feels about what they're filming on her farm in the in the first movie.
2: Well, wasn't it like 10 minutes into it, she's jerking herself off with a, ma- with a scarecrow? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, see, it, it was, yeah. see, when that happened, when that scene happened, I was like, okay, here we go. Because like, when that happens within 10 minutes of the movie starting... I'm ready for the right. well, pun intended. Ah! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, wishes but, you know, he was I, a scarecrow. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, that sets up like, okay, this is going to be a fucking lunacy, or, you know, a uh, uh, loony movie, but it just, and obviously there is some stuff in there, but it's just, it it kind of settles and meanders and just kind of like takes the temperature down for like most of the movie. And we always get hints at like, yeah, Pearl's not a, quite all there in the head but it just for most of the movie it just doesn't really go there even though they give us hints that she's crazy like you said with like the her her interactions with animals and stuff like that so it's just like well I don't know I just feel like it, it gives me more questions about her character than was really answered and an origin story usually is supposed to answer those questions
1: Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the movie, we kind of talked about the two major elements of Pearl in the 1970s, her obsession with sex and murder. One of those, in my opinion, isn't even explored in this movie. Like, all we get is that scarecrow scene and then one scene of her cheating on her husband with a projectionist, you know, at the movie theater. It's like that that doesn't satisfy my curiosity as to why this octogenarian woman wants to get laid so bad in the 70s. It just doesn't. I, I just don't see how Pearl becomes this psychosexual person that she becomes in, in X. So I don't know. And, and obviously, like I said, I, I kind of went in with undue expectations. Potentially, this is Ty West. I was very excited about this. I, I had accidentally heard some blurps, like some, you know, some screener um, previews that people were talking about and some of the reviews of those and everything was overwhelmingly positive. And even after watching the film, when I went online to watch reviews, it wasn't until the 23rd YouTube video that I watched that I finally found someone that was lukewarm on Pearl. And it was a girl. Oh, I was so happy that a female uh, YouTuber agreed with me. Because sometimes when I don't like movies like this, I start to think, is it me? Am I, am I a misogynist? Do I just not like horror movies that are driven by women? But, you know, we all famously remember how much I hated Um What do you call it? Black Christmas 2019. And the same thing kind of went through my head this time. It's like, oh, do I just not like it because of her? But then finally, when I see some female podcasters and YouTubers actually saying the same things I am, that it was lackluster and that they don't understand all the praise that Mia Goth is getting for the performance. Again, I don't want to take anything away. She does a very good job. Her performance is solid, exceptional, if you will. Oscar-worthy, that's a little bit of a stretch. I mean, you're talking to a 50-plus-year-old man who's been watching movies his whole life. I can't watch a a movie with a girl acting like the most basic psychopath I've ever seen and then tell me that she deserves an Oscar. Why? Where was her range? She was just a crazy little bitch the whole movie. Like, there was no range there. So I I just don't understand why people are praising her performance. It was good. Borderline great. Oscar-worthy, no. Bite your tongue. (laughs) That's just, just no. Oh, man, what else can we talk about that's uh, spoiler-free here? Hmm. Um, I'm kind of drawing a blank. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Um. I will say the final frame of the movie, well, the final shot of the movie, I did enjoy. I know it It kind of left me scratching my head as I'm walking out of the theater, but then the more I think about it and the fact that her expression actually changes slightly throughout, and she's trying to hold the smile, obviously. But the whole time, I'm just wondering, you know, what is Howard doing? <laughs> He's got to be like pissing himself in the kitchen, right now. How does, how,
0: how does Howard end up staying with her? That's what I'm.
1: That's sure. yeah, that's something we need to explore once we're done with our walk. Because he,
0: because uh, you know, we we don't get a ton of Howard in this movie, but for all we know, he seems like a normal guy. I mean, and if you you know, return from your military service, walk in the house, and see what you see there. Yeah. I'm like, how is he with her 60 years later?
1: Especially because his, well, that's going to be a spoiler. I'll I'll shut up about that. Uh, Think about the last person that Pearl kills in this movie. And think about how Howard is going to react. Not to say that he may find out necessarily. He may never find out, but he's obviously going to find out something. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I sir.
2: mean, again, I think the, the, the common answer to this could just always be, let's just wait until Maxine comes out and maybe that'll give us the answer.
1: And that's the thing, too, is the next movie is set in 85. It's going to be following Maxine, you know, the other my golf character from X. And so we're <laughs> skipping, you know, almost 60 years of time and a lot like that. A lot of that 60 years is what I want to see. I want to see how Howard reconciles the whole situation. I want to see other interactions. Like, think about how many people does Pearl kill between the end of this movie and X and the beginning of X? I mean, it could have been none. It could have been 50 for all we know, you know, and I feel like that's going to be maybe a little bit more interesting and might explain another aspect of Pearl that, like I said, doesn't really get explored, at least in my opinion, much in this prequel.
0: Yeah, um, and and why, uh, if she wants the Hollywood career, or at least attempt it, just leave the damn farm? Like, there's nothing tying you there now.
1: Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. It,
0: it, unless Howard, you know, figures, uh, now we kind of got to hide out here because...
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I guess, but... Uh, God damn it. Yeah, it, it really does seem like this, uh, like Mike said, this movie leaves us with more questions than when we started. And that's unfortunate a prequel should not leave us with more fucking questions and especially it an
0: origin story for a specific character like
1: exactly that. it's not even a prequel to the entire film just a one character in a film and it's still just it has so many plot holes and so many unexplored elements of this girl's psyche that it's unfortunate to me it's ah, too bad <laughs> maybe because they maybe uh since they didn't maybe because they didn't have enough time to write this movie you know, because they came up with the idea during the filming of X, and they wanted to start filming right away. Maybe it was just kind of a you know guerrilla process where they just kind of threw this script together. I don't well, have any problem so with f- the
2: scripts. Oh, well, there's ahead. so few, there's so few characters that it, it just kind of leads you to believe that it was just so slapdash because yeah. they couldn't raise the funds to you know get every to get more people on board because it it is a very small film.
1: No, definitely. There's like six or seven people in the whole film. It's a very small, you know, other than extras. Yeah, there's a bunch of extras in here. But as far as speaking lines, I mean, we're talking about six or seven characters, maybe. And I don't know, that story should be... (sighs) I should have, I just, it's too bad they didn't take more time to make this movie. I feel like if they took some time, more time in the writing process, they could have fleshed out this story more, filled in some of the plot holes. Maybe maybe they would have thought more about some of the things that didn't make sense at the end of this film. And I don't know. I mean, I understand wanting to get the sequel out right away. How often do we get a sequel slash prequel to a film in the same year that the original was released? I mean, it's a rare thing, and I do appreciate it. You know, um, but goddamn, I wish to. <laughs> I wish they would have taken more time with this one. Like if they had taken just a few more months in the writing process and a couple more months in the uh, the filming process, take total of six extra months, people still would be clamoring for this movie in 2023. You know, you didn't have to, you know, pigeonhole it into a, a times uh, into a slot when you know we're getting movies, horror movies, almost every week in the theater. You know, uh, we got a lull this week and actually we don't because I'm in L.A. And I actually do get a movie that came out this week that the rest of the country doesn't get, which I'll talk about later. But um, this is a very busy horror movie period. And rather than taking your time with this and maybe making it a 2023 summer movie, yeah, it, it feels like it was rushed so that they could get it in before October of this year to try to, you know, get some more Halloween dollars, uh, you know, pumped into this movie, but it feels rushed to me and that's really too bad. Not and again, I have to caveat this, not in its filmmaking. The film is gorgeous, but in its storytelling, I just it's too bad they didn't take more time. All right, folks, uh it looks like we are at the end of the spoiler-free section, so if you have not seen Pearl and you wish to, please pause the podcast now and go do your homework. If you have watched Pearl or have no interest in it, please stick around as we go through the story now. All right, boys. So Pearl opens up. uh, It is 1918. It's the middle of the Spanish flu epidemic, which I kind of like. I thought that was kind of cool that they brought that element into it because we see people walking around with masks. We see people who refuse to wear masks. I mean, it's, it's pretty poignant, I will say, without jamming it down our throat. Um, I thought it was a nice element that they, you know, had this take place during the Spanish flu just to get that extra element of, like, distrust and things like that with strangers and, you know, other things. So um, and like I said, we're introduced to Pearl. She's a young girl, young, cute girl that's uh, basically living on a ranch with her parents. Her mother is Ruth, a stern German woman who basically is hiding the fact that she's German because obviously it's 1918. Uh, the First World War has just ended and relations between, you know, Germans and Russians and other people of the region isn't great. So uh, Pearl, of course, doesn't have an accent. She was born in whatever city this is. I'm not even sure where this movie takes place. Did they ever tell us an X where this movie takes place? I don't think so.
0: Uh, like where the farm is?
1: Yeah, town, city, anything.
0: Oh, I think, so. I, I think it was like Texas, wasn't it? At the very beginning, there was like some...
1: Of the first one, yeah, you're, you might be right. Yep, yep, yep.
0: Yeah. I felt yeah. like when they went to the gas station or something, there was like a... I don't know if it was Austin or something, but... Like,
2: yeah, uh, I uh, I really wish I would have watched X,
1: because, again, yeah, I'm, I'm trying... I'm I a- did watch X, and I don't remember. <laughs> I just watched it last week, and I already don't remember. I also watched about a dozen movies since then, but that's another... I
0: mean, it definitely feels like they're going for, like... Or at least in X, they were going for, like, the sweltering, humid summer of a Texas or a southern state, so...
1: Potentially. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, So, like I said, Pearl living on this farm with her mother and her invalid father, who they never name for some reason. We never get her. They just call him Pearl's father throughout the whole movie. Uh, We never get a name for him. But her mom's name is Ruth. Obviously, Pearl has dreams of, you know, leaving the farm and becoming a star because she she goes into town every now and again and watches these uh, you know little short films of women dancing and chorus lines and things like that, and which pretty much fuels her dream. In one of the opening scenes on the farm, we actually see her performing a little bit of a song and dance, not nearly as elaborate as one that we're going to get later in the movie, but, you know, a little song and dance for her animals in the barn. And then at the end of her little song and dance, she sees that a goose has (laughs) strolled into the barn. I mean, I think the only thing the goose did wrong was that he wanted to watch the show, but apparently he didn't have a ticket because Pearl promptly walks right up to him, says, hello, Mr. Goose, and then stabs him with a pitchfork. So, yeah, literally from the opening scene, Pearl's already crazy. She's already killing animals. And like I said, I'm not 100 percent convinced that she hasn't already killed a person in this movie. And I base that on something that the mother says to her later in the film. But we'll get to that. So one day, Pearl is kind of tasked with going into town to get some liquid morphine for her father. That's uh, what they're medicating him with. Um, her father is basically you know, in a wheelchair, invalid, he's not speaking. It looks like he has either had a major heart attack or stroke or something like that, because like I said, he's basically just a vegetable sitting there. Uh, Pearl goes into town to go and get his medicine, but while she's there, she goes once again, she goes to the little movie theater. I think back then they were called Nickelodeons, if I remember correctly. And she basically watches a film and again it's a film with a chorus of dancing girls and you know she uh, again she you can see her in the theater just getting absolutely enamored with the girls on screen as soon as the movie ends she runs outside with the playbill yes in the early uh, days of cinema they actually did hand out playbills just like they do today with like broadway plays and things like that so she has a playbill for the film that she just watched and uh, She's uh, she runs into an alley on the side of the theater and just starts reading it and just getting all excited about, you know, oh, this is what I'm going to do someday. And just as she's talking to herself, uh, we see a handsome gentleman walk out one of the side doors of the theater. He sees Pearl, uh, you know, perusing the playbill and says, oh, did you watch the movie? Did you like it? And, you know, of course, Pearl's a little nervous at first, but she does open up to the guy and, you know, talks about how that's her dream and that she wants to, you know, be a part of all this one day and blah, blah, blah. And the projectionist basically tells her, oh, man, I'd love to see you up on, on screen. You know, you're a very beautiful woman, blah, blah, blah. You know, your basic compliments. And they end up uh, just ending their conversation. The projectionist offers her to visit anytime she wants. Uh, he's always there in the projection room, as he tells her. So if they ever she ever wants to talk about movies or Hollywood or anything like that, she's welcome to come back. That night she goes home and, you know, we get one of many dinner scenes that we get in this movie where, again, we see kind of the the contention between Pearl and Ruth. Ruth obviously just wants her to stay at home and help with the farm and help with her dad and everything else. But with uh, Pearl having all these dreams of Hollywood, it's kind of it, it, it's putting a damper on her chores, you know. Uh, Like I said, she does dance sequences in the barn, which, of course, you know, slows down her completion of chores, which upsets her mother. Her mother continues to call her, you know, basically, you know, why are you wasting your time dreaming of this stuff? Blah, 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 blah. She ends up uh, her and her mother get into one of the many arguments they have in this film. And she ends up uh, sneaking out of the house that night, putting on one of her mother's dresses and sneaking over to the movie theater to go see The Projectionist. Now, this is after hours. The movie theater is closed, but she still decides to go knock on his door. And as soon as he opens the door, she just jumps on him and starts making out with him. By the way, did forget to mention that Pearl is already married at this point. Her husband, Howard, is away at war. Like I said, it's 1918. It's the end of World War one. So, you know, Howard is still some time away from coming home, but of course, she basically has uh and I skipped the whole scarecrow scene and I think I'm gonna cuz it's gross as hell, but it's it's also kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um but you you also see it in the trailer, so if you've seen the trailer, you know, you kind of saw what we're talking about there, but yeah. Uh she ends up going to see the projectionist and they end up having sex and Just after uh, she's done having sex, I'm not sure if she starts to develop a conscience or just realizes that she's been gone a long time because instantly she she suddenly is very um, in a hurry to leave. She's throwing her clothes on Uh, the projectionist, who we also I don't think ever get his name. We just call him the projectionist the whole movie um he's still in bed you know and basically tells her oh i'm so sorry you have to leave but you know part of the reason that pearl came here was to tell him that she's going to be auditioning for a dance um uh, she's going to have a dance audition later which was told to her by mitzi now mitzi is a cute blonde girl who lives in the area and as it turns out she is howard's sister so mitzi is pearl's sister-in-law they are related by marriage and Mitzi, Mitzi and her mom obviously have money and they're very generous because we see them early in the film. We see them drop off a completely cooked suckling pig at their door. Um, Obviously, Pearl's mother, Ruth, refuses the pig, says, I don't accept charity. I don't need your sympathy, blah, blah, blah. Mitzi's mother, of course, tries to explain it's not charity. I do this for so many people. I still have five more pigs to deliver, blah, 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 blah. What ends up happening is the pig is never picked up off the porch and we kind of see the pig deteriorate and rot as the movie goes along, which has a nice parallel for the family. As the pig is rotting, the family is basically falling apart as well. So I, I thought that was kind of a cool little uh homage or, you know, parallel editing, if you will, whatever you want to call it. Um the way it kind of emulated the family falling apart. So, like I said, after um, she spends the night with the projectionist, um, he ends up uh, taking her home one day after they they spend some time together. He drives her back to the farm. Uh, oh, wait, I skipped a major scene here. Let me let me go back. Um, the night after um, Pearl has her encounter with the projectionist. Uh, She has uh, yet another argument with her mother, but this one turns into a major one where Pearl just absolutely snaps and says, you will not keep me from my dream. I will not be stuck on this farm. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life here, no matter what you say. Uh, Ruth, obviously, I I wouldn't say gets violent, but she does start yelling and walk up to her daughter. Eventually, they do have a scuffle and Pearl pushes her mother into the uh, fireplace, not completely into the fireplace, but just enough so that Ruth's dress catches on fire. And man, uh, dresses back then must have been made of paper mache because this thing went up quick within a couple of seconds. Ruth is just completely engulfed in flame. Um, for a few seconds, Pearl isn't sure what to do, but then after after a few seconds, she grabs the pot of stew that they were eating for dinner, and she dumps the pot of stew onto Mom, extinguishing the flames. But at this point, the damage has been done. Most of Mom's hair is burnt off. Most of her skin has got uh, third-degree burns. She can't walk. She can't really move very much. At this point, Pearl really doesn't regret what happened at all. She actually drags her mother's body into the basement and does not finish the job. That kind of shows you how much of a psycho Pearl is actually leaves her mother there and actually tells her, I want you to feel this. I want you to feel how what I felt all these years being stuck here because of you and then just kind of locks her mother in the basement. Dad is like I said, he's invalid. He's in the chair, but he is cognizant. Like his eyes are open and he sees everything. And we see the fear in dad's eyes. The the expression on dad's face changes. He now fears Pearl. He doesn't want her coming near her, but he can't move any part of himself by, you know, on his own. So basically is a slave to Pearl and you know what she decides to do. Uh As I mentioned, Mitzi at one point, uh, during the scene when Mitzi and her mother drop off the pig, she mentions she mentions that there is an actual dance audition at the local church. Um, basically, a producer is coming around looking for girls to join a dance troupe to do a tour of the state that they live in. There's something like six to eight stops that they were going to, you know, perform dances and things like that, different skits. So, of, cur- of course, Pearl instantly gets enamored with the audition, basically says, I have to get this role. Now, when she goes to audition for the role, she's already. Oh, and I forget. Okay, I'm all over the place, folks. Sorry. It's been a few days since I saw this. So after after she has sex with the projectionist, um, he does give her a ride home while he's there. um, You know, Pearl walks him through parts of the house, obviously not the whole house, because her mother is still slowly dying in the basement. And while the projectionist is walking around the house and you know Pearl introduces him to her father, he hears noises coming from the basement. We hear like a tapping of a door or creaking of steps, things like that. He asks Pearl, you know, if there's anyone else in the house. And Pearl says, oh, no, no, it's my dog. He must be down there in the basement. And then at that point, uh, the noise in the basement starts getting a little bit louder. So he uh, basically she Uh, pulls the projectionist out of the house to go to the barn to introduce him to her animals her cow her lamb you know whatever other animals are in there she introduces them as her friends and her best audience for all of her shows and and then and then the projectionist says well what about your dog do you perform for him too and then without thinking pearl just goes oh i don't have a dog And then, of course, the projectionist, his expression instantly changes. He's like, wait a minute. You just told me you had a dog in the basement, and that's what was making that noise. We see Pearl's face just sink. She realizes that she's caught in a lie. And right at that moment, just as the projectionist is realizing that there's something not quite right with Pearl, he basically changes his tune and says, oh, look at the time. I have to get out of here. He looks at his watch, does the old routine of having to leave. Uh, walks up to Pearl and give, gives her a very ineffectual peck on the cheek, which is very different than what they had done the night before, obviously. And Pearl recognizes this, and Pearl just fucking snaps. She basically says, why are you suddenly changing on me? What happened? No, you're you're treating me cold. What happened? Did you go down in the basement? Like she starts accusing him of going down in the basement, basically admitting that that's not a fucking dog down there. And he's just like, no, Pearl, of course not. And I have to leave anyway, because you said you need to to rehearse for your little dance recital or dance audition later. So he tries to leave as friendly as he can. But Pearl, of course, follows him. And as she leaves the barn, she grabs her trusty pitchfork with her. Um the projectionist gets into his car, looks back towards the barn, doesn't see Pearl following him. But as it turns out, Pearl maybe went around the back or something, because then just as the projectionist starts the car, there's Pearl sit- standing right next to him uh, just outside the driver's seat. And again, she just starts freaking the fuck out. I ex- I, I forget exactly what her, what she's ranting about, but she does end up stabbing him multiple times with the pitchfork, like three or four times right in the chest. He is able to put his car in gear and start kind of slowly driving away, but you we, we kind of see in his eyes, he's losing consciousness. He's not really able to control the car. He's bleeding out pretty badly. He's actually leaving a trail of blood behind him as the car kind of rolls away from the barn house. Pearl ends up catching up to the car as it hits a post and stops. She pulls the projectionist out of the car and says one more line about him not getting in the way of her dreams, and she stabs him through the mouth with the pitchfork, ending the projectionist you know, pretty much instantly. Well, <laughs> after a lot of pain, but yeah, killing him here. So with the projectionist gone, it is now the next day. Pearl is getting ready for her audition. She lets her mother know. Well, actually, she had let her mother know earlier that she was going to go to the audition regardless of what her mother said and that was the catalyst for the fight that's ended up getting mom um torched burned if you will mom is still alive the next morning but pearl feels guilty because her father like i said is an invalid and doesn't want to leave him alone to just die in the house so she ends up just smothering dad she she actually puts his tuxedo on almost like she's preparing for his funeral which i thought was kind of weird but yeah she puts it, She puts his tuxedo on, then smothers him with a pillow sack and uh, basically kills dad. And, oh, God, every time we see dad the rest of the movie, he's got a fucked up look on his face with one of his eyeballs popping out. It's just oh, fucking gross. Um, So dad is now gone. Um, Pearl does go downstairs and visit mom one more time. We see that mom has attempted to escape. Like she started to crawl towards the back of the basement where there's like a. Uh, uh, a set of stairs and like one of those cellar doors that leads outside unfortunately she's just not able to move much pearl comes downstairs lets her know i'm going to my audition mama and you don't have to worry about dad anymore and basically again does not kill her mother just basically leaves her down there to rot which eventually she does unfortunately do she doesn't uh, eventually die it, and now it's time for the audition. Pearl basically goes to this audition and performs. Well, before she even performs, we see a line of young girls outside the church. And, you know, we see a, a, a procession of girls going in and then coming out crying, all of them in tears as they leave. So obviously none of them have gotten the job. Uh, when Pearl gets there to the rehearsal, uh, she's told by Mitzi, who her sister-in-law, That uh, they're only taking one girl that originally they thought they were going to be hiring a whole troop of girls. But now it's looking like they only want to hire one person. And Mitzi, of course, is so ultra confident. She's just like, it has to be me. It can't be anybody else. It has to be me. Obviously, she's already killed her parents at this point and the projectionist. So basically, this is going to be her escape out of this uh, little Texas town. So she goes in. And she does this great dance sequence, you know, which ends up um, she ends up imagining like a chorus line of like females in military outfits, you know, dancing to a very patriotic song. There's planes flying by and bombs being dropped. I mean, it looks like it's like a blockbuster film being shot, but it's all, like I said, in her imagination. Finally, when she's done with the dance routine, which was impressive, I should add. Despite the fact that Pearl has no formal training and basically just dances for her animals in her barn, she actually puts on a decent little dance. I will absolutely give her credit for that. But unfortunately, she's given the bad news by uh, one of the producers that she has not been selected for a position or for, you know, for a spot on the, on the, uh, the chorus line. Uh, she asks why. She says, this is the best I've ever danced in my life. How did I not get the job? And that's when the main guy basically says, well, you did give us the best dance performance of the day. Unfortunately, we're looking for someone a little bit younger who's also blonde. Now, instantly, I'm calling this guy an asshole because why the fuck are you even letting these girls dance? If you already know you want a cute blonde, why are you letting all these brunettes and redheads dance knowing that you're just going to crush their fucking souls afterwards? So... Yeah, I'm going to say that the dance judge is the villain of this movie, (laughs) aside from Pearl. But yeah, just a a real dick move. Pearl ends up leaving the audition. She ends up crying even louder than any of the other girls that came out before her, just screaming, no, no, this can't be true. I, I needed this. I needed this. Blah, blah, blah. Mitzi comes out of the audition and doesn't say anything about whether she got the role or not. Basically just says, oh, Mitzi or uh, oh, Pearl, you know, it's just one audition. There'll be others. You know, let me give you a ride home. Pearl accepts. Mitzi ends up uh, going home with uh, or driving Pearl home. When they get to the farm, Pearl invites Mitzi in, which she gladly accepts. Obviously, poor Mitzi doesn't realize what's happening, but she does notice her suckling pig rotting in the sun on the porch, just absolutely covered in maggots and missing certain certain joints that have already been eaten through and everything else. She ends up having a conversation with Pearl when they get inside where Pearl is talking about, You know, there's 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 basically admitting that there's something wrong with her that, you know, that she needs her husband. She's mad at her husband. And basically, Mitzi has the idea of, okay, let's do this. Let's role play. I'm going to pretend that I'm Howard, since you think you're going to have so much trouble telling Howard about all the bad stuff that's happened. Why don't you tell me and pretend that I'm Howard? So, of course, Pearl, you know, agrees after some prodding and she starts talking to Mitzi like he's Howard. And then she starts admitting all the stuff that she's done, all the animals that she's killed, the fact that she's killed multiple people, the fact that she's cheated on Howard, um, you know, with a guy that she literally just met, um, you know, the, how angry she is at Howard, because um, Pearl is legitimately angry at Howard for going to war. Mind you, back then, I don't think you really had much of an option. If you were of a certain age and you were healthy, you were sent to war. It was just that simple. I'm not sure if they quite had a draft back then the way we had for World War II, but you know most men wanted to go to war back in uh, during World War I. So Pearl basically is talking about how mad she is at Howard, that he left her alone, that he had... That she had the part of the fact that she was with Howard is because he was rich and he came from a a big family that lives in a big house. But that she didn't realize that when Howard married her, he wanted the opposite life that Pearl wanted. Pearl wanted to get out of the farm and move to the big city and try to have a career in entertainment. Howard wanted the opposite. He wanted to live on her farm with her family away from her family, from his family's money and influence and everything else. And Pearl apparently uh, resents him for that, basically says, how how dare you have or how dare you want a life that I don't want and everything else. And obviously, as expected, Pearl just starts getting more and more crazy with all the different to the point where it actually does seem like she thinks she's talking to Howard, like like legitimately looking right in Mitzi's eyes, calling him Howard and just expressing her disdain and displeasure with all of Howard's decisions. At this point, Mitzi obviously doesn't feel safe. So she basically tries to leave the house, you know, tells Pearl, "Okay, I'm going to leave. And then Pearl says the same thing to Mitzi that she said to the projectionist just before she killed him. Are you scared of me? Are you? Apparently, Pearl is upset when people are scared of her because she doesn't think she's crazy, at least up to a point in this film. She doesn't think she's crazy. She doesn't think there's anything wrong with her. To the point where even during the argument, the the final argument with her mother, her mother flat out tells her, I know what you are and I know what you're becoming. This is why I think she's already killed people, because it it doesn't seem right that the mom would knowingly allow her daughter to kill animals on a ranch. Uh, Most ranches need the animals they have. They can't just let their fucking teenage daughter going around killing all their farm animals. Um, So. It doesn't seem like that's something that the mom would allow her to do, but the fact that mom knows that she's crazy and what she's capable of is kind of the catalyst for what starts the big part of the argument there when she burns her mother. So, like I said, once she realizes that Mitzi is scared and trying to leave the house, she starts getting more and more cryptic, like, are you sure you're going to come back someday? And, you know, Mitzi's like, of course, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to see you. And then right before Mitzi's about to walk out of the door, Pearl basically says, oh, and congratulations on getting the part. This, they never talked about this. Uh, Pearl is basically just making the assumption. I guess the fact that Mitzi didn't walk out of the audition crying probably gave that away. Um, and obviously, Mitzi didn't want to tell her because of how violently she reacted right after the audition. Obviously, she's not going to tell her, oh, I got the part. Ha ha. You know, so, you know, Mitzi trying to be a good friend and trying to spare her feelings, tell you know, is like, oh, I didn't get the part. And Pearl is like, don't lie to me. I'm sick of people lying to me. Just tell me you got the part so I can congratulate you and you can go on your way. And she goes, well, yeah, I did get the part. And, you know, Pearl says exactly what she said she was going to do. She says congratulations and says, you know, have a good one. Mitzi starts to walk out of the house towards her car. We see Pearl follow her out of the house. As Mitzi starts to kind of speed up her walk, we see Pearl grab an axe, a big axe from the barn entrance and start chasing Mitzi Mitzi, of course, is a prim and proper, you know, cute blonde in 1918. So, of course, she's wearing high heels and a skirt. She's not exactly, you know, prepared to run. She does end up falling down like your traditional damsel in distress, being chased by a killer. And this is when when we probably get the best kill in the movie. This is when Pearl basically just destroys Mitzi. Basically, you know hits her in the back a couple of times with the axe, hits her in the chest a couple of times with the axe, and then, after the initial kill, we get this great little slow motion montage of her um dismembering Mitzi it in a very good shots too, like you know no cutaways or anything like we're actually seeing the axe enter the flesh, cutting off arms, cutting off legs, we see her cut off Mitzi's head. And all this time, you know, while she's doing it, she's feeding all of this to the alligator. Oh, by the way, I did forget to mention the alligator. But yeah, Theta is still there. Um, the, the alligator from X, uh, I, 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 don't, I couldn't tell if it was any smaller or younger. I, I'm not sure how long, ga- if it's even the, ga- the same gator. But she did call it by the same name, Theta, or named after the actress Theta Barra, who we actually do see on a movie poster in this film. So at this point, she has dismembered Mitzi and gotten rid of the body. I would assume that she, oh, no, um, she she gets rid of all the pieces of Mitzi's body, throws them into the um, into the lake. We, we see the alligator, you know, bite down on all the pieces and eat them all. And then she goes back into her house and we see her parents propped up on the dinner table. Her dad, her dad, who was choked out with his eye hanging out of his fucking head and her mom just burnt alive and she is finally dead. She finally did pass away. And they're both propped up on the kitchen table. And lo and behold, here comes Howard. Yes, Howard is finally back from the war. It's not an illusion or a daydream like uh, Pearl had multiple times through the movie where she thought she saw Howard walking down the street towards the ranch. But then, you know, it's just her imagination. This time it's real. Howard is home. He walks into the house and he walks into the dining room first to see Pearl's parents both dead and propped up on the table. As he turns into the kitchen, we see Pearl preparing some food, and she says, oh, Howard, you're home. And the movie basically ends on a shot of Mia Goth smiling into the camera, like literally looking into the camera, breaking the fourth wall, and just having this weird shit-eating grin on her face that tends to change (laughs) context. and, And when I say, I mean the entire closing credits, uh, or at least a large portion of the closing credits play over Mia Goth's smiling face. Mind you, this is not a freeze frame; the camera's still moving. You can see, you know, her expression change. Like the smile will get bigger, and then it'll get smaller, and then it'll get bigger again. It's like a really odd. I'm sure it's all reacting to what Howard's doing. Uh, this is what me and Mike were talking about earlier. Like. How the fuck does Howard deal with this? <laughs> yeah, he literally walks in and he sees both of his parent, his um, you know, his mother and father-in-law dead on a table. And this is what I was talking about earlier with Mitzi. Eventually, Howard's gonna realize Mitzi's missing. He may never find any parts of her since, you know, she fed the alligator. He may never find her dress or anything else. But the fact that Mitzi is missing and never returns pretty sure Howard's going to figure out that she killed Mitzi too, whether she admits it or not. Cause like I said, this is 1918, you know, women, you know, women with money don't just disappear in this, you know, time period, unless you're the black Dahlia, but that's a different story. And then, uh, you know, our movie ends with a fade out on, you know, uh, Pearl's creepy smile. And then just like with the end of X, we get a teaser trailer for the next chapter in the trilogy We see a shot of Hollywood, we see the Hollywood sign from behind, and then we see the camera kind of pan around the Hollywood sign, and instead of Hollywood, it says Maxine, with three X's, obviously, you all remember Maxine, the porn star from uh, the first movie, X. Um, we see the date, 1985, Los Angeles, and the teaser ends. It's literally just that, just a quick shot of the Hollywood sign, but it reading Maxine. Uh, we see the date, 1985, and then we just see it, the camera kind of just show some random shots of L.A., and then that's it. That's our trailer. And that, my friends, is Pearl 2022. I hope I did it some justice, because like I said, even though I didn't enjoy it as much as I would have liked I'm sure this, this is going to be a big movie. It, it already is a big movie. I think it made like three or four million opening weekend, which doesn't sound like a lot, you know, like it doesn't sound like a blockbuster, but for an A two four horror film, it's something, you know? So, you know, we'll give it credit there. I'm not sure what the budget for this film was, so I'm not sure if it made its money back. This weekend. It was a uh, 1 million, I think. Okay. Well then it made its money this weekend. So that's you know good for Ty West at least. Anytime a horror director puts out a profitable movie, it's always a it's always a good thing for that director because, you know, the studios are going to trust them. But for, for whatever it's worth, folks, this is the second A A24 four movie in a row I did not enjoy. And that for me, that's saying something, because like I said, they were batting perfect for me. I love my slow burns. I love my character studies. Um, you know, I love my subtle horror movies that don't always have a tangible villain or antagonist, you know, like and it comes at night type situation. But yeah, between bodies, 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 and this one, uh, A24 is starting to let me down. And I'm not going to blame A24 for this one. I'm I'm going to blame Ty West and Maya Goth. Basically, you know, whoever wrote the brunt of this story, is is the one that's going to be getting the the majority of my piss and vinegar. Because, like I said, we've already talked endlessly about how this movie looks gorgeous. It is a beautiful film. It should be experienced in movie theaters. I highly recommend. If you're if you're interested in this movie and you haven't seen it yet, by all means see it before it leaves the theater. A because it looks beautiful and B it's a horror movie in theaters that we can support and you know that always makes the genre look better. So yeah. Fingers yeah. crossed Maxine does something a little bit different because uh yeah, this one was a little disappointing for me.
2: I don't have much else to add to that.
1: Yeah, I just thought
0: it was a little disappointing. Tame story, there wasn't just that much to it. I was expecting a little more, um, especially coming off the heels of X. I thought they just had more in store, but none of the performances were bad. I thought all the, the acting was good, looked great, sounded great, so... Um, it, it's a shame if you haven't seen the theater, though, because that kind of thing is enhanced by yeah. the big screen, at least, uh, where at home, when you don't get that over-the-top production and you're focused more on the story, possibly, you'll be like, yeah, not not that great.
2: Well, I mean, I don't, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the 4K release of this is going to look like. Oh, yeah, that's probably going to
1: look great. I don't think I'm going to spend money on it, but I wouldn't mind checking it out. I mean, I'll definitely watch this again. There's no chance. I mean, I'm on the fence on whether X is going to be in my top ten. So this one has no shot in hell of being in my top ten at the end of the year. But I probably still will watch X and this one more time before the end of the year just to give it one more chance. But I've already watched Pearl twice this weekend, and it's just too much of a disappointment for me. Too basic a story to... Like like I said, in filmmaking, it feels like a Ty West movie. In storytelling, it absolutely does not. So I'm going to leave it at that.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for our discussion on Pearl. Uh, but before we get out of here, let's find out what's available from everyone. So Venom, what you got?
1: All right. I am very happy to announce that the first episode of No More Room in Hell presents the Crystal Lake Gift Shop is now available uh, for those who don't know, the Crystal Lake Gift Shop is our episode-by-episode retrospective of the Friday the 13th, the series TV show from 1987. We are going to look at one episode of the show per podcast episode. And for episode number one, we actually did have a guest join us. Our friend Doug Tilly from the Theme Warriors podcast joined us. And we're re- I'm actually really glad we had him on because he's um, he actually has a book that has a lot of behind the scenes on the Friday the 13th series. So he brought a lot of that knowledge to the show. And then I went and bought that book and I'm actually holding it right now in my hand. So hopefully I'll be uh, a little bit more of a fountain of information for this show. As we move forward, we already have Lacey Lou locked down as our guest for episode two. And if anybody else out there is a fan or thinks they might be a fan of the original Friday the 13th series and one, if you want to join us for a review by all means, Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter and let us know because um, it's just me and Mike and we're open to have a guest all the time. So, yeah, definitely hit us up check. And like I said, that episode is available now. So check that out. Um, Creature Comforts are our bonus episode for the uh, Fantastic Fest Um Fantasia. Fantasia Film Festival, excuse me, not Fantastic Fest, Fantasia, uh, where we, where Don and myself looked at three films that were screened during the Film Fest. Um, all three of them are creature feature slash kaiju films. So Don and I take a spoiler-free look at these three films as they have not been released in the U.S. yet. And um, we are preparing for our true episode 12 that we'll hopefully be recording in the next week or two. So look out for that. And then uh, guest spots, I think my final guest spots on the summer series for the podcast Under the Stairs already aired a couple of weeks ago. I was on the twos and the sixes. I think they're releasing the eights right now. So um, if you want to go back and check out those episodes, those are available on the Legion podcast network. And all of the No More Room in Hell shows are available on the Dark Discussions podcast network, darkdiscussions.com.
0: Okay. Uh, how about you, Don?
2: Yeah. Um. Uh, as expect, as he said, uh, Creature Comforts is uh, available now. That was a fun time. Really wish that we could have had Derek on board for that, but uh, other issues got in the way, and it, it was coming on a month of just pushing it back, so I think we just made the decision to do it, the two of us, and uh, really looking forward to getting back and doing the uh, full-length episode uh can't reveal plans, but uh should be a fun time. Uh latest episode of Horror Countdown, I had our boss, Phil Peron, on and we looked at our favorite aliens and space monsters. So uh that was a uh really fun time. A lot of uh fun films uh brought up some unexpected stuff, but uh have a uh fun time with that one, so go ahead and give that a listen. And I'm finalizing plans for a massive project that'll come up during November. We're, uh, we're finalizing what we're going to be doing in October and uh, should have that available in November. So go ahead and uh, keep up to date on that. But uh, can't spoil anything now.
1: But uh, like I said, should be available uh, soon enough. But uh, that's all I got. And another thing, something I've been meaning to say for months that I never actually said, if you guys are interested in, like, other podcasts that you may not have heard of, by all means, follow Don and on his social media, Facebook, Twitter. Um, he posts all, like, basically just dozens of podcasts every day where he'll post, you know, descriptions of what their latest episode is, everything else. I mean, Don is really a... Uh, Um, a superstar when it comes to spreading the love for other podcasts. So like I said, if you're interested in finding out about other cool podcasts as well, go ahead and follow Don and you'll see his posts uh, multiple times a week where he talks about other shows. And I know a lot of the other podcast hosts appreciate that as well. So again, follow Don and you'll get that information. I think it's vital. I mean, because he talks about some of the coolest podcast out there on multiple networks too it's not just the stuff on dark discussion so yeah go ahead and give donna a follow as
2: long as i know where it is and where to find it i'm always happy to help out so but uh, yeah that's all i got on my end
0: all right so for me yeah, no more room in hell number 48 is now out and the by the time you're listening to this also Uh, The latest episode of Watch This Movie, Mike, should be out with guest Bo Ransdell, and he picked a movie from 1950 called Harvey. It's a comedy.
1: Awesome. Um, I love that movie. (laughs)
0: Yeah. uh, um, It was a first watch for me. I, I dug the hell out of it, so good pick by him. And, uh, yeah, I had a good conversation with him before it. I opened the show like I usually do with a movie recommendation, so all that kind of good stuff. And I think that's it for me because you already named off other things I'm involved in. Um, Yeah, so I'll leave it at that. And then next episode of Fresh Cuts, I think we're going to be picking something off VOD. Yeah. uh, Because... Yeah, smiles not till next Friday, so...
1: Yeah, I've got the new Jeepers Creepers playing out here right now, but I think it's only playing in, like, New York and L.A., so... And
2: I really don't think that's going to get much uh, traction anyway, just because of the connection
1: with the series. Right, right. But ultimately, the man himself is not connected to the series anymore. This is the, this is the first Jeepers Creepers movie that he is not a part of, so, I don't know, maybe it'll bounce back a little bit, because... I didn't think Jeepers Creepers 3 was so bad, but nobody saw it for obvious reasons. So, you know, if you don't already know, look it up. I don't really feel like talking about the things Victor Salva has done. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I am a fan of the franchise, despite the scumbag director that's attached to it. I've always been a fan. I like all three of them. I'm looking forward to the new one regardless. So... It probably doesn't make sense for us to do it cuz like I said by the time all three of us get to see it it's probably going to be a few weeks down the line but uh I'll chime in next week with my thoughts on the new one.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, with that said, yeah, we'll be back uh next week with something. There's plenty on VOD. I've been I've been browsing myself just out of curiosity there's a lot that's out there potentially. So
2: Yeah, there's uh, a I've gotten a few of those for review for myself. So, yeah, there's a lot more than I can keep up with coming out. But, uh, I mean, it's uh, end of September, end of October. I think that should be expected.
0: So we will figure it out, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. So until then, let's say bye to the listeners.
1: Later. Ty West, stop letting your actors write your screenplays, please.
0: <laughs> Peace.